the Way City Church, located in Woodbridge, Virginia, is led by Pastor Marlon Yearwood and exists to reach the lost and disciple the believer. So we're in a series called uh, Understanding Prayer, Understanding God, and we're going to jump right in this morning. Luke chapter 17, in verse 5, the apostles came to Jesus and they said to him, increase our faith. Luke 17, 5, the apostles came to Jesus and they said to him, increase our faith. And then Jesus responded to them and he said, if you have faith, the size of a mustard seed, as small as a mustard seed, you will say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and thrown into the sea and it will obey you. And then in Mark chapter 11, the disciples, they've, they've seen Jesus curse the fig tree the day before, and they're astounded by it. And Jesus responds to them because they're astonished that Jesus would speak this thing and it would happen. And Jesus says to them in Mark eleven twenty two, he says, have faith in God. And then he says, for whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, whatever you pray, when you pray, believe that you will have those things and you will have whatsoever you say. So Jesus says in... Luke's gospel, he says to his disciples, if you have faith, X, Y, and Z. He says if. Because it's possible then, he was speaking to his disciples, he was speaking to believers, it is then possible for you to be a believer and lack faith. Then in Mark 11, he says to them, have faith in God. And again, he's speaking to believers and if he would say, have faith in God, it's for a reason that he's saying that because there are so many things in life, so many circumstances in this world that would try to pull your attention off of faith in God and get you to focus on your circumstances, on what you can see and what you can hear and feel and taste and smell and what you know. So Jesus is saying, don't have faith in those things. I understand what you've been told. I understand what you can see. I understand what you feel. But have faith in God. Have faith in God. So, you know, we, we as, as humans, we're, we're very um, interesting. We're very peculiar people as human beings. We lie but hate to be called liars. We steal, but hate to be called thieves. We lust, but hate to be called fornicators and adulterers. We hate, but don't want to be told that we have murderous hearts. We overeat, but don't want to be called gluttons. We lack faith. We lack faith but we don't want to be told 
that we have no faith. In fact, we want to be told that we're full of faith. We don't believe that God can do the things that we don't understand, yet we want to be called believers. We're a very interesting and peculiar people. So when it comes to faith, and we're speaking about prayer, but, but today we're speaking about prayer from the standpoint of faith. And remember, I spoke three weeks ago and I said, um, I can't preach one single message on this topic because I'm going to miss so much. That's why we're doing a series on on prayer. And you also can't just take one message um, and just focus on that. You have to look at the whole counsel of God's word on prayer. But today, we're speaking from the faith standpoint of prayer. So when it comes to faith, out of all of the, the thousands of people that Jesus encountered in the Bible, in, in the entire Gospels, when it comes to faith, Jesus only spoke of, of two people and said, Great is your faith. There were many that, that had faith. And we're going to read some of those stories today. But only two people did Jesus say, great is your faith. You have great faith. And one of those was a Syrophoenician woman. A Syrophoenician woman in Mark chapter 7. And the other one was the centurion. In Matthew chapter 8. And they were both Gentiles. And for the centurion, the centurion sent a messenger to, to Jesus because his servant was at home and was paralyzed and was sick and was dying. And when the messenger came to Jesus, Jesus said, absolutely, I will, I will come to your house. And he was told, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man of authority myself. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to this man, come, and he comes. And to this man, do this, and he does it. And he says, Lord, you don't even have to come to my house, but if you just speak the word, then I believe my servant will be healed at home. And the Bible says that Jesus, he marveled. He marveled. And he said, I have never seen such great faith. He said, assuredly, I say to you. You know, when Jesus says assuredly, Everything he says is assuredly. But when he says assuredly, assuredly I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in all of Israel. And then the Bible says that his servant was healed that, that very same hour. And then the Syrophoenician woman in Mark 7, she came to Jesus because her daughter was suffering at home and was demon-possessed. And Jesus said, hey, this is not for you. This is for the children. She was a, a Gentile. This miracle was not for you. And then her, her faith in Jesus, she said, Lord, she said, you know, even though this may not be for me because you told me this is the children's bread, but she said, even, even the, the dogs eat from the crumbs that fall off of the table from the children. And Jesus said, great is your faith. Great is your faith. And her daughter was delivered, set free, and healed that very 
same hour. So Jesus came into contact with thousands of people, but only two people did he speak of as having great faith. Again, the centurion and the Syrophoenician woman, and they were both Gentiles. Out of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, right, Jesus only spoke highly of two churches. Right? The faithful church in Philadelphia and the persecuted church in Smyrna. He only spoke highly of two of those churches. So then, is it possible that there are thousands of churches that God is not completely pleased with and does not speak highly of? Is it possible? Yes. Let's bring it home a little bit. Is it then possible that there are millions of Christians that have a lack of faith? Is it possible? I know no one wants to hear that, right? Right, you want to hear everyone say, you know, no, no, we're all full of faith and we're, but that's what we want to hear. But, but is, it, is it possible that there are thousands of Christians but many lack faith? Again, we began this series three weeks ago, Understanding God, Understanding Prayer. The title for today's message is The Petition of Faith. The Petition of Faith. Our reading today is found in three out of the four Gospels. We can find it in Matthew chapter 9, Mark chapter 5, and Luke chapter 8. And we're going to read today according to Mark's Gospel. Mark chapter Five. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. We thank you again, Lord, that your word is living, that your word is powerful, that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword separating even to the division of soul and of spirit and of bone and of marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that Christianity and, and, and believing in, in you and believing in, in the word, it, this is not a democracy. We don't vote on what is true and what is not. It doesn't matter how many Christians believe a certain way. If it's not according to your word, it is false. And it is wrong. So we say again, let God be true and every man a liar. So we thank you for this message today from Mark 5. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would convict our hearts and that you would increase our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mark 5, 21. Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 21. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him. 
and he was by the sea. What happened right before this was the um, demoniac, the man who was demon-possessed, and we spoke about, about that man back in, uh, back in February, maybe. Um, but, um, but it was the man who was, who was demon-possessed, right? So Jesus crossed over to the other side to, to meet him. There was the storm. This man was delivered and set free. Now they're going back to where they came from. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came. Take note there. One of the rulers of the synagogue came. He was a ruler of the synagogue. Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. This is his petition. And begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now let's pause there for a moment. Now Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue, right? Now listen to this. In, in Mark chapter 3, at the synagogue in Capernaum on the Sabbath day, Jesus entered the synagogue and there was a man with a withered hand in the synagogue. And the Bible says that when, that when Jesus walked in, the Bible says they watched him. They watched him. Who watched him? The Pharisees, the leaders, the, and the rulers of the synagogue, they, 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 they watched him to see what he would do. And the Bible says, and, and Jesus said to this man, stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out and was healed. And then the Bible says that they plotted to kill him. They plotted to destroy him. In other words, to kill him. So, so Jesus walks into the synagogue in, in Mark chapter 3, on the Sabbath day. There's a man who's sick, and they watch Jesus. The Pharisees, the rulers, they watch him, and when they see him perform this miracle, they come to the conclusion, ah, let's destroy this man. That's how they responded to him. So the, the, the people, they, they, they kept silent. They watched Jesus, and then Jesus healed this man. Now Jairus was who? A ruler of the synagogue. And he could have been, right? I don't know for sure, but he could have been one of the very ones that was irate at Jesus. On this Sabbath day, when, when Jesus healed this man with the withered hand. But now he's desperate. It's a little different now. Right? Yeah. Now it's different because now his little girl. It's personal now. Now his little girl, she's 12 years old and she's dying. Now, now everything changes. Everything's shifted now. So now he's desperate and he's in need of healing for his daughter by the same man 
It's the same Jesus. But it's a little different. It's very possible that, that Jairus was, was one of the men that, that, that took counsel with the other rulers and the Pharisees to plot to kill Jesus. Very possible. That he was one of the ones that, that at least, at least agreed to it. And didn't speak up against it. So now Jairus has a dilemma, right? There's an obstacle before him. And this is his problem right now. This is his obstacle, right? His, his prejudice of Jesus, right? Now he's faced with, with the way he feels about this man. He has some, some, some feelings possibly towards him that, that's, not, that's not right. But now he has a daughter who is sick at home. What does he do? There's an obstacle. There's a barrier that he has to, that he has to break through. And what does he do? He comes to Jesus. He humbles himself. And he says, man, like, like I, I know this man has the power. He either witnessed himself the miracle that, that day in the synagogue, or he at least heard about it. So he knew that this man has the power to heal, and he humbled himself. And the Bible says that he came and, and he fell down at his feet. The, the ruler of the synagogue fell at his feet before Jesus in humility and pleaded for him to come and lay hands on, on his little girl. Some, some simple lessons from Jairus right here. God can change your attitude toward a subject in a hurry. God can change your attitude toward a subject in a hurry. And desperation will alter your way of thinking. He comes. And you know what I love about Jesus? Jesus never brought up his past. Jesus didn't even mention. Weeks back, on that Sabbath day, when that man was healed, and how you guys responded and plotted to kill me, he didn't even bring it up. He didn't even mention it. And the Bible says that he, he went with him. He went, he went with him. We're not going to talk about that. He doesn't care what you've said about him in the past. He doesn't care what you've done to him in the past. All he cares about is that you're with him right now. That you're with him. That's what he cares about. There's, there's nothing that you can say or do or plot against Jesus that would ever keep him from you. And Jairus came and fell down at his feet. And Jesus went with him and mentioned nothing about his past. He fell at his feet, the Bible says, and this is his petition of faith. Verse 23, come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. He's, he's sure of this. He's certain of this. This is his cry out. This is his prayer. And he can care less now 
what the rulers of the synagogue, the other rulers, may think. He could care less now what the Pharisees may think about him. He could care less. This is the most important thing in his world right now. This may have cost Jairus his, his position as a ruler of the synagogue. It would have cost him his friends. It would have cost him his identity if his identity was attached to his work and his friends. So he had a lot to lose by coming to Jesus. And, and sometimes when we come to him, we will lose. We will lose friends. We will lose family. But for Jairus, it was all worth it. He knew who had the answer, who had the solution, and he came. He's, he's desperate. He has no other options but Jesus. He's humble, he asks, he believes, he expresses his faith in Jesus, and Jesus went with him. I think sometimes a, a person's past will attempt to keep them from Jesus. Right? Let's look from the standpoint of Jairus. He understood. Right? Jesus never brought it up, but he knew. Right? He knew what he did or how he felt or how the synagogue felt about him. He knew. But he still came. And I want to I wanna stress that point because sometimes your, your, your past will try to keep you from, from receiving your blessing. Your, your past, your past will hold you captive. And Jairus, he, he comes. And Jesus is, is able. I remember uh, a young man that I spoke with many years ago um, on the streets of, of Tulsa when I lived out there in Broken Arrow. And I remember this young man, he was um, maybe, maybe 17 years old, and I was sharing the gospel with him. Um, and, he, and he heard and he listened to the entire gospel. And then he looked at me and, and he told me, he said, he said, God could never forgive me. And then he explained to me um, how about a year before he had uh, shot and and killed his friend. They were playing with a gun, and, um, and he had shot him, um, and, and he had died. And, and he told me, he said, he said, I cannot be forgiven. He said, God will never forgive me. And I told him the opposite. Yeah. And, we had a, and we had a conversation that, that God would forgive, that God can forgive, that God does forgive everything, and we, and we spoke. And by the grace of God, he confessed faith in Jesus that day and, and received a, 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 a burden was, was lifted, and peace, and peace came. But I remember, I've, I've never spoken to anyone who was um, as, as sure as, as this young man was that he could never be forgiven because of his past. But, but Jesus forgave him. 
and he was, he was guilty, um, and he did it, and, he, and it went to court and everything else, right? Um, but Jesus, Jesus forgave him. Jesus, he forgives. Amen? Amen. I also want you to remember that no one who ever came to Jesus in the scriptures was rejected. We've, we've never seen anyone in the scriptures come to Jesus and Jesus rejected them. The, the Pharisees had determined that anyone who, who, who called on the name of Jesus, anyone who believed in him, that they would be put out of the temple. Right? They, they, they made that a decree. But still, this man, he persevered because of the life of this precious 12-year-old girl. Let me move on here for the sake of time. Let's move on to verse uh, 20, 25. Okay, so, so we have Jairus. He has, um, he's come to Jesus. Now, now, while Jairus is with Jesus, this is a part of the same story. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction." I want you to understand that this, this woman with this issue of blood that she had for 12 years, uh, according to Leviticus chapter 15, she was unclean, right? And because she was unclean, she couldn't be around the synagogue, right? She couldn't be around people. Everything that she touched became unclean. If she sat on a chair... It was unclean. This is a woman that was supposed to be isolated for 12 years and was isolated for 12 years according to the law. Everything she touched was unclean. She was unclean. And this woman is driven to enter a crowd of people. And she makes her way through the crowd because she's heard about Jesus. 
She hasn't been around people in years. Hasn't been around her family. And she, and she hears about this man called Jesus. And she says to herself, this is what she says to herself. We spoke about faith a few weeks ago based on God's word, right? What Elijah did, he did according to the word of the Lord, right? And he did exactly what, um, what God had spoken with him privately or whatever, and he did that before the prophets about. Now we see a woman who she said to herself, this is the kind of faith that, that she had now in Jesus. And she said, if I could just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. This is what she said. Right? So, so she didn't actually hear from Jesus. She just heard Jesus heals. That's all she knew. And she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will be whole. And she would have had to have, have fought so many battles in her mind. After being isolated for so long, she would have fought so many battles, it would have been tormenting for her. But she said, I, I have to do this. She was desperate. I have to do this. Because this won't stop. It's been 12 years already. And she makes her way into the crowd and she touches this unclean woman, touches his garment. And Jesus, he stops and he responds to her touch. He responds to, no, he responds to her faith. And he said, who touched me? And the disciples say, many people are touching you. And he says, no, this one is different. This touch is different. There's, there's no one out of the hundreds or thousands of people that I'm around right now that's touching me the way she is. And it was the touch of faith. And he stopped and he turned around and she told him the entire story. And he says, woman, he says, you're, you believe. I mean, yes, I, yes, I can do that. But you, you actually believe it. Let it be done unto you according to your faith. I'm speaking of faith today, again, because we must always pray from a place of faith. Always. And, and I, 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 truly, I truly believe, you know, I don't, I don't know this to be true. This is just me, right? But I truly believe that there are so many Christians that don't pray from a place of faith. They, they, they pray traditionally, religiously. They, they know it's good, but they really don't expect anything when they pray. They, they really don't. And I want us to pray from positions and places of faith always always and this is how God expects us to approach him I remember in 
2014, 2014, I was, I was youth pastoring at the time, and um, one of our youth um, that I was youth pastoring, they were siblings, and one was in middle school and the other one was in high school, and, um, and their, their baby sister was at Children's Hospital in D.C., and she was, I believe, uh, four months, either four months or six months old at the time back in 2014. <clears throat> and, um, and her parents called, called my father-in-law, who was, who was the pastor of, of this church, um, because the doctor said she has hours. Um, she's in her last hours. The Children's Hospital in D.C. is, is like number seven uh, of, of the top ten um, hospitals in the country. So when the doctors say you have hours, you probably have hours to live. So they said, um, call whoever you need to call. But, but she, yeah, she's, she's not going to make it. She's in her last, her last hours. And they, and they called, um, the parents called my father-in-law um, and, um, and they began to pray, and then we were told about it. And when, and when Deborah and I, when we, when we heard about it, um, both of us, um, we were both um, angry, um, and we were both um, faith, just um, in a different kind of way. You know what I'm saying? Like it was a different kind of, like, like we were both just like, um, and it was supernatural, right? But we both like, no, no, we, no, uh-uh. we just, and we both felt the same way. So the Holy Spirit was doing the same thing. And we both were in a, and we were like, yeah, we, no. Mm-mm. And we began to pray at home. Um, and then we both said, let's, let's go to, let's go to DC um, and, and, and pray there, you know, in her room and, and, and pray for her. And, and we went in the room and when we went there there was almost like a heaviness that we could even sense in the room and then a, a, um, a chaplain came in and spoke to us we're full of faith at this time by God's grace right um, chaplain came in and kind of spoke to us you know said you know we you know things like this you know they happen you know and we can't always um, and I get that I, I get that I understand that right but that's not what we wanted to hear right now, right? So, um, so we heard that, but we're kind of like, no, we don't, yeah, like, like I hear what you're saying, um, but we don't believe that right now, right? So um, Chaplin left the room, and we just began to pray for her, and we began to pray in the room. And as we were praying, we could literally uh, sense, again, in the atmosphere, something change and we both had peace and we both and we both knew that God was at work that God was at work and that he was that he was strengthening her little body we we were sure of that in 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 April she turned six praise God we actually uh we actually share the same birthday um um, but she turned six um on April 4th Mm. And we were not the only ones praying. 
right? Right, so um, we went into the room. Um, um, I think our in-laws came later um, and went into the room. Her parents were praying, um, and then people, people were praying, you know, outside of that. But God did it. God did it. Right? But, um, so, this woman, she had faith. She said, if I can, she was desperate though. And I think sometimes, I think sometimes maybe we can't have that kind of faith if we're really not desperate. If we're not that desperate for it, we, we can't sometimes. Um, she was desperate and Jesus, he did it. I understand and I want to be sensitive. I understand that um, this doesn't always happen. I understand that. I understand it. Um, but I still think, I don't think, I still know that we must always approach God from a position of faith. Amen? And, and when it doesn't happen, we trust Him, and we love Him, and we're not discouraged, right? We love Him, we trust Him. Um, we continue to, to rejoice and praise Him, like David, right? When his child passed, right, he was fasting. We know David lost his child because of his sin. Right? The Bible was clear about that. That's why he lost his child. Um, that was his, his punishment for his sin. But David was, was fasting and praying. And then um, the Bible says when the child died, David anointed himself and he praised God. And I'm like, wow, that was truly a man after God's own heart. He heard the news. And he, he got up, he changed his clothes, anointed himself, and he praised. He worshipped, the Bible says, God. So we always worship him, amen? amen. Um, but but, but allow, allow us to speak about things like this, because it's biblical. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> While he was still speaking, verse 35. While he was still speaking... Some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead, why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumi, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked. For she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and said that something should be given her to eat. Amen? So, Jairus has come to Jesus. Jesus is on the way to his house. Then he's interrupted. He's like in a hurry, and he's like... Like, Jesus, like, why are you stopping talking to this woman? Like, so while Jesus is stopping speaking to this woman, right, because he's not in a hurry, um, and he's ministering to this woman, 
Um, the messengers come to him and say, Jairus, it's too late. She's gone. And, and Jesus looks at him and says, listen to me. Only believe. Okay, I'm, 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 let's, let's keep that faith. You, you came to me because you believed that I could, right? You believed I could when she was sick. Regardless of the report that you've heard, I still can. And he says, only believe. And, and Jesus followed him all the way to the house, right? Followed him there. And everyone's wailing and crying. And what Jesus does is he gets all of the doubters out of the room. He gets all of the unbelief out of the room. And he takes in only James and Peter and John. And he takes in the parents, Jairus and his wife. And they come in and he speaks to this little girl and she's whole and she's healed. Amen? The petition of faith. I believe that Jesus Christ died for all. When I, when I witness, I, I, I believe that every person that I witness to, that Jesus' blood is sufficient for them, that he died for them. Right? That, that's that's how, how I approach people. I believe he died for all. So when I approach them, this is the, the kind of faith that I approach them with. Not everyone, not everyone receives the gospel. Right? I, I, don't, I, I don't understand all the, all the reasons why, but not everyone receives the gospel. I, I understand that. There are people that have heard it and rejected it. They've heard it. In truth, it's been presented well. And they have rejected it. In the same way, you must believe that God has the power to heal. God heals. And even though there may be situations where, where you know someone who didn't receive healing, don't let that take away from the truth that God heals. Amen? And it can be complicated and it can be challenging. But let's keep, let's keep our eyes focused on God. Some of the circumstances we don't understand always. Right? But let's keep this, this, this strong faith in God that we know that He can. The Bible says that, that all who come to Him, we must believe that He is. But not only that He is, but that He is also a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So we must believe that he's God. We know that he's God, right? No one doubts that. But we must also believe that he is a rewarder, that he can do these things. So this girl, she is healed. This woman, she is healed. And it was done, the Bible says, according to their faith. That's what the Bible says. And as I get ready to close right now, the, the, the Bible has, has, has a lot to say um, about faith. Um, let it be done unto you according to your faith. Um, the Bible has, has a lot to say about that. The Bible has a lot to say 
about that. But these two miracles that we read of today, that we study today, um, it was because of their faith in Jesus. And this is what Jesus taught. This is what Jesus said. I haven't told you anything today that Jesus didn't say. Right? This is what he said and this is what he, what he did. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The, the crowd passed by him. And you can come up when you're ready, Brittany. But the, the crowd passed by him. And I, I, love, I love this. But the crowd, they were close to him. And they saw him. And they touched him. But there was a difference between the crowd's interaction with Jesus and this woman's interaction with Jesus. And I think to myself sometimes, right, are we, are we uh, crowd Christians? Do we, do we know Jesus through the crowd? Like, do we know him with the crowd? Like, we know him on Sundays, right? We know him in this place, but we don't know him intimately and personally. We don't know him privately, but we know him publicly, right? And I feel like there are, there are so many um, in the Western world, especially, where we're just crowd, relational Christians with Jesus. We know him here. You know, let's go to church. I, I love the fact that you're in church. I do. It's good. But we just know him here. But once we leave here, there's no intimacy. There's no touching him. There's no connecting with him. So I want to encourage us to, to be in that intimate place. We don't want to be like the, the crowd that was around him. They saw him, they heard him, but received nothing from him. We want to be like the, the woman who touched him. And her life was transformed because of her intimacy, because of her faith in him. Let's bow our heads, please. Hebrews 4.2 says the word of God was preached to us as well as to them but the word did not profit them not being mixed with faith. Father we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. Lord I believe that if Satan cannot distract people from coming to to know you, that he will attempt to distort uh, the faith of individuals. Lord, he can't stop us from, from being saved and from, and from knowing you, but he will try his best to make us ineffective. He will try his best to make us doubters and unbelievers. Father, I pray that we would, just as we receive the miracle of salvation, which is the greatest miracle that anyone can receive is the miracle of salvation. 
that Jesus would come to this world, that he would come, that he would lay down his life, the perfect life that he lived, the life that we could not live, that he would come here not for himself, but he would come here out of obedience of the Father and he would come here for us. And that he would die for my sins and for your sins. And that he would say to us that if you just believe, if you just believe me, that I came for you. Believe in my death, but believe in my resurrection. I I, I rose again on the third day. And if you would just believe that what I did, I did for you, then in the same way that I rose again, you will rise too. Father, we thank you for forgiveness of sins that is found in Jesus. But Lord, we also know that we started this journey in faith. Every believer, they began this journey believing in miracles. The miracle of salvation. That's how we started this journey. Believing in the greatest miracle, that of salvation. So I pray, Lord, that among the years, as the years pass by, that we will not stop believing in miracles. That we will not stop believing in the God who answers prayer. Because we began this journey believing. And may we continue to believe all the days of our life. Lord, we thank you for Mark 5, 21 through 43. There's, there's so much in there. But I pray, Lord, that our hearts were encouraged today. I pray that our faith was increased by Jairus' faith and by the woman with the issue of blood's faith. We love you, Lord, and we bless you, and we thank you for working and for moving on our behalf. We thank you for hearing and for answering prayers. We give this time to you. In Jesus' name, we pray. If you believe, say amen. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at thewaycitychurch.org.